Hello and welcome to the First Lutheran Church Sermon Podcast. We're glad you joined us this week. First Lutheran Church lives by the mission statement, called by the Spirit, we serve Christ, sharing God's love with all. And we are glad to share this good news with you this week. We're able for our gospel acclamation. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter. The risen Jesus appears to his disciples, offering them a benediction, a commission, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. But one of their number is missing, and his unbelief prompts another visit from the Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who is called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written about in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the gospel of our Lord. I invite you to be seated. Today we read uh, Psalm 16, and Psalm 16, verse 11 is my favorite Bible verse. And this is when it became my favorite Bible verse. And I've told the story of how I burned my hand in high school. Well, There's a picture the day after my surgery, and it is gory and gross, so I won't bring it to show, but in the back of the picture, where my hand is all mangled with 40-some staples and my skin graft, I have a thumbs up. (laughs) And it's such a juxtaposition of this gory, 
mess and this thumbs up. And there's, a, I think, a few reasons why I have a thumbs up. One is very likely the pain medicine. <laughs> um, uh, another is that I had all five fingers. Um, another reason I had a thumbs up was because of my thankfulness of the surgery and the rough recovery I'd had. And the last one, I think, I had my thumbs up because of hope. Because in God's presence is a fullness of joy. That God was present with me. God is present with all of us in difficult times, in happy, peaceful times, in times of grief or despair. God is with us on the mountain and in the valley. And so for this gift of God's presence, we have joy. Well, this uh, week after Easter, every year, we read the story of Thomas. So in the Gospel reading, Jesus appears first to Mary Magdalene, then to the disciples who were huddled in that locked room, and then a whole week later to Thomas. And each of these characters move from grief to hope and to joy differently, just as each of us process our faith differently. Maybe you are like Mary, who was a vigilant believer, attuned to the voice of God, eager to go and tend to his body in the, in the tomb, and then ready to testify to the presence of the risen Savior as she ran to tell the disciples. Maybe you are like the disciples, navigating fear behind locked doors, navigating belief, then joy and isolation all at once, and then also drawing strength from your friends that you have with you. Or maybe you're like Thomas, unable to witness Jesus' resurrection until your fingers can trace the scars of his crucifixion. Well, peace be to you wherever you are on your journey. Know the truth that wherever you are, God is there, and God will be ready to welcome you. But what about Thomas? A few things to point out. He didn't ask for proof. He demanded it in a way. And even more surprising, Thomas didn't doubt. It's easy to place all of those negative things upon his shoulders as if they were something bad. He is often a pawn for our own qualms of doubt and the topic in sermons that talk about faith's misgivings. But Thomas should not be a moral lesson so as to overcome our own uncertainties. Jesus had warned the disciples of false prophets. He told the disciples to beware of those who would seek to mislead them and that they should be shrewd. Thomas simply wanted, simply needed, what Mary received, what the disciples received, and after which they received them, led them all to utter the same confession and proclamation, I have seen the Lord. Thomas was looking for his own encounter with the risen Jesus, not to prove that Jesus was once alive, uh, alive once again, but to believe 
in the promise of that relationship with Jesus, that it would never be taken away, not even by those who take away life as if they hold life in their own hands. So this text today is often called the story of Doubting Thomas, and this always irks me because it draws our attention away from the incredible things that Jesus is doing in this story. And also because Thomas had the same expectations as the other disciples. We are just given a different part of the dialogue with Thomas. So I think this text should maybe be better called uh, the better late than never, Thomas. And thanks be to God for that. When we read commentaries or hear sermons on this text, so much attention and negativity is placed on Thomas. Shame on him for not believing like the other disciples. Shame on him for making demands. Shame, shame, shame on poor Thomas. Perhaps you've heard that language or even said it about Thomas or about another person who struggles to believe. Perhaps you've heard about those people who've been baptized on their deathbed or come to believe in their last days and have criticism or prejudice about them not being enough. Well, uh, I've been writing devotions for our committees that focus around our vision survey, and the one I wrote for this last month was about our hospitality. And in it, I tell a story that happened to me uh, a couple weeks ago, and it's just been really powerful and an influence to me. But um, after school one day, one of uh, the kids in Lucas's class, who lives around the street from us, asked if I'd give her a ride home. And so she's sitting in the back seat and sees on my screen, the fancy screen in my car, listening to a Christian song. And she asks me, she says, um, ask me where I went to church. And I, I said, oh, okay, okay here, Margie. Um, but <clears throat> after I told her about that, she said, out of nowhere, she even said, this may sound a little weird, but my church doesn't accept me. And I was totally shocked and heart, heartbroken and enraged that this little fifth grade girl had already heard a church tell her, you don't belong here, you are not enough. I fully believe the biggest threat and danger to the modern church is when people inside the doors think they have the power to say, you don't belong, or you are not enough. Thomas is often seen as the disappointing disciple who is not enough, who does not have enough, but he is so much more. You know how the saying goes, uh, you know what they call the student who is last in his graduating class at medical school? Doctor? just like the first. Well, you know what Jesus said to that criminal hanging on the cross next to him who had just come to believe? Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. That person hanging on the cross because of great sins that he committed in his life and was sentenced to death by crucifixion, he hadn't gone through catechism. He hadn't taken communion or been baptized. He had heard about Jesus, but even his witness of Jesus hadn't caused him to turn away from his sinful ways. 
until on that cross he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This was a plea, a cry for mercy. And Jesus doesn't hesitate. Now some might balk at this man's forgiveness and wonder, maybe I don't need to live a life of service if I can just ask God to forgive me and clean the slate at the end. What would Jesus do then for you? What do you think? Do you do good and serve God because of what others would say? Do you follow Christ or share your faith to impress others? Why do you serve? Well, this story, this Bible story about Thomas, is for those faithful Christians who come to church every week, online or in person. This is a Bible story for those who read scripture every day and can quote it with ease. This is a Bible study or Bible story for those who teach and volunteer. You have the gift of belief. And with that, a call and command to witness. The call to be like Mary or to go tell it on the mountain or in your home or with your friends or with your acts of forgiveness and kindness and welcome, not for your own well-being but for God. And this is a story also for those who wander, sometimes lost, pulled in countless ways and influenced by polarizing ideas and people. This is a story for those who've been hurt by the church, who've been made to feel not enough, because Jesus will show up for you. This is a story for all of us. When we see Jesus show up, he is revealed and made known in his broken body, by his broken body. He's revealed and made known by his scars. Mary at the tomb, the disciples too, they didn't recognize Jesus. Perhaps they weren't looking for him because they didn't expect to see him, even though Jesus had told them, you will see me again. But what helped them all believe were his scars, was the meal he later shared with them. Again, how so incredibly extraordinary that our God comes to walk among us imperfect and scarred. He comes to us in all power, having battled death and won, to say to fearful followers, peace, eat with me, touch my wounds that healed you, so that now you can be witnesses, be leaders, and serve. Well, Thomas, despite his misleading moniker, has great faith, and he used that gift to witness. He was sent forth, and his missions led him towards India. And there, Thomas evangelized, and so began a group of believers called Thomas Christians. This is a real group of Christians in India that total over four million Millions of people have come to know Christ because of a man of great faith, a man who struggled, who questioned, who discerned his faith, and who so many people today would say was not enough or didn't have enough faith. What would Thomas do? He asked questions. He sought Christ, 
and he received Christ's presence. We may not be going to some new, new area to evangelize and convert four million people, but how can we live like Thomas Christians, seeking God and believing? And then in our believing and our faith, witness. Because Jesus will tell us, when Jesus is with us, you are enough. I have faith in you. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for your presence that is unwavering. Our sure, confident faith and hope that you guide us. When we are lost, you find us. Help us as believers to share that good news with others. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We pray that these words and message inspired you in your faith journey as you grow with God. We would love to see you at worship, either online via Facebook Live or in person at 1234 Southwest Fairlawn Road at 5 p.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sundays. God loves you, and so do we.